Welcome to Unprofessional and Unprepared, our lighthearted weekly conversation about sports, life, fatherhood, and whatever else comes up with no script and no preparation. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and this week, we get to talk about a Browns game that kicked off at one o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, our predictions for the NFC, and big screen, small screen battles. I'm joined tonight by two of the best ever smiling. Chuck Rambaldo is back. How you doing, Chuck? Good. Hello. It's me. A wonderful song by Todd Rundgren that should probably make a playlist. <laughs> well oh, done. <laughs> it's way Good. too early in the show for this. <laughs> yeah. Good news, Chuck. Phil Denko is here again. <laughs> Phil, how are you? I'm good, guys. And uh, despite your your efforts to destroy our, our playlist, I, I still love you like brothers. <laughs> Give it time. Give yeah, it I time. <laughs> Chucky, let's start with you tonight. Edith Merway Trena is a great-great-grandmother celebrating 100 years on Earth who is now a Guinness World Record holder. Merway Trena from Tampa, Florida, is the world's oldest female competitive powerlifter. She can deadlift 165 pounds and bench 65 pounds. Merway Trainer was a performer and dancer years ago, but had never lifted until she turned 91. She's now competed in more than a dozen powerlifting competitions and shows no sign of slowing down. Merway Trainer recently said, I'm expecting in November I will have another trophy with a whole bunch of applause. So Chuck, what do you think of the ego on Merway Trena? <laughs> well, I'm interested to know, like, what age group does she compete in? Is it 90 plus? Because if she's the only one, then it's a huge ego because she's not competing <laughs> against anybody. I would assume, but I uh, think she's competing against Father Time, dude. Oh, That's yeah. something. All of us are competing against Father yeah. Time. But impressive that a woman decides to become a power lifter at 91. Is that what you said? Somewhere yeah. in there? Yeah. 91 was when she started. Well, then she must have a gigantic ego in it for all the money and accolades that go with <laughs> geriatric powerlifting. You know, I used to follow it, but it just got to be too much about the money after a while. <laughs> all right, fellas, why don't we move forward? We'll start with our first segment. We'll stay at home. And as the tribe season fades into Bolivian, we're going to switch things up and start focusing more on the upcoming Brown season for 2021. So let's start tonight with our 11th week of 13 Shades of Brown, our 13-week preview for the Cleveland Browns season. And boy, oh boy, did we have a good one today. The Browns' second preseason game against the Giants. The perfect season remains intact with a 17-13 Browns win. And I feel like you could really see the pressure on the team to keep the win streak going as they close this game out at home against the Giants. So did either of you get a chance to watch any of the game this afternoon? Yeah, I watched bits and pieces. I saw the entire first half, and then I caught maybe the last half of the fourth quarter. Okay, so Phil, what did you like from the Browns today? On offense, it looks like we're really, really deep at running back. <laughs> like yeah. every guy they yeah. every guy they trotted out there. Uh, and, and again, I, I get it. It was still second string versus second string and third versus third and that kind of thing. But they were responding to every play called in the backfield, running, catching the ball out of the backfield, these kind of things. So I thought that was great. I also like that we have a legitimate backup quarterback, save for one mistake today. He looks like, all right, we got a pretty good safety net here if we need 
the backup quarterback to come in and win a couple NFL games this season on, on defense. I don't know. It was kind of a boring game uh, to be honest. I, I think that's what happens after, <laughs> after a team, the two teams practiced against each other all week. So then you play a game and it's like, all right, you know, it, it just seemed like a weird, a weird thing on defense, the defensive line. I think his name was Sheldon day. Yeah. Yeah. He blew here, some people up. Today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's good to good. see because we need some depth in that, that defensive tackle rotation for sure. I guess the thing I like the most might've been discipline. I didn't see a whole lot of flags uh, this week or even last week for that matter. That's nice. Especially when you got guys who don't get a ton of reps and, and they're executing no false starts, nothing along that line, but the running back stuff, it seemed like not, not just the running backs, but I'm pretty sure two fullbacks actually yeah. did a, a decent job out of the backfield. And it reminded me, like, who was, the, and I can't remember his name. So hopefully, one, who did we draft like five, six years ago? Who was a fullback in the third round? The guy like never saw the field. It was like Owen something, wasn't it? Owen, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Owen Merrick or something like that. He, Owen, yeah, something Owen, like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. Great in this offense, apparently. Yeah. When you have uh, two, yeah, I was going back to there. Tommy Vardell. So that was that was way better. <laughs> Touchdown, Tommy Vardell fits in any offense. That's, that's true. <laughs> The depth of the running backs was insane. Like they're going to have to make real decisions and whoever gets cut is probably playing on another team very quickly. All of that, even like the fourth guy, Kelly, I've never heard of that guy in my life. Uh, and he ran super hard in that fourth quarter. So I love seeing how disciplined that team was. And just, it's amazing that there's a lot of skill on this team. In the second and like third wave of players. I'm not used to seeing that since 1989, maybe 80, yeah. 89. Is when yeah. The running back thing almost got funny during the game because all of a sudden you have all these random guys with jersey numbers in like the mid to late 40s who are catching passes 15 yards down the field or blocking somebody or running and it's like, who are all these guys that Dearness Johnson and Demetric Felton battle is still going they both yeah. had a productive game and and I really hope they find a way to keep both those guys because I think they can both play I really thought that the defense was solid all day and you know Mike Glennon played quarterback for the Giants for the entire first half. And that dude's a proven winner. And so the fact that they were able to contain him, I thought was really impressive on the defensive side of the ball. So Chucky, what didn't you like about the Browns game today? Some injuries, right? I think, God, hamstring. Was it Grant Delpit? Is that who got hurt again? No, no. Greedy uh, Williams had Greedy a groin Sorry. injury. Greedy. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So uh, injury there. And then might as well line. be the same guy, dude. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, point, exactly. That's a, yeah, that's a toss up. <laughs> I guess that's pretty much about it. Uh, the other thing I didn't like is like, and this is going to be stupid to say, but if you have no intention, of playing Baker Mayfield or OBJ. Why, why do you suit them up? Why are you I'm, even in uniform? I'm so happy you said this. Because <laughs> exactly, I thought man. the same thing. There's a whole bunch of dudes they interviewed on the sideline who never saw yeah. the field, but they're in like full pads. Like, like For why? What? Yeah, only, the only like thing I could warm think, up or something, uh, you know, like I a, thought maybe there was like a team photo or something like, why are these guys <laughs> in full pads? Yeah. <laughs> Got to be uncomfortable. It was probably hot there. Like I just right, don't yeah. see it. Yeah, like 90 degrees. What about you, Phil? What, what did you see from the Browns that you didn't like today? I, I think Hollywood Higgins proves that he can only catch passes from Baker Mayfield. So that was a, that was a little <laughs> rough. Not that he got a lot of reps, but uh, there was, there were a couple, at least two passes, one in the end zone that he really should have come down with. We ended up scoring anyway, but. So that was a little shaky, but again, it, you know, he balls out when Baker's under center. So that's fine. Beyond and that, you know like, what? That wasn't a good throw. He, it it like wasn't. Keenum it was behind him. him. Yeah. If he had Rup thrown it a couple of yards further to his right, headed towards that sideline, 
I actually think it would have been an easier catch and he would have been fine, but I I know you mean it hit him right in the numbers. He should have caught it. That's the thing. Like I, I, and maybe this isn't fair because I've never played professional wide receiver. Interesting. Really? Right. Right. Yeah. I didn't know if you guys know that about me or not, but I do feel that if a ball hits a professional wide receiver in the chest, he probably should have caught it with his hands before that happened. I don't know. The other thing that I may be proven to be completely wrong here. um, I, I thought maybe this is the preseason game. We would have seen some starters out there just to get some reps at this stage. You're just not going to play a starter in a preseason game this year at all. Ultimately, that might be okay. The knee-jerk reaction after the first game of the season, if we don't win it, is going to be terrible, but they'll get past that too. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's so that, I don't know, that was kind of, uh, I thought maybe we'd see some reps from some of the ones. Who is uh, our third string quarterback? How do you pronounce his last name? Kyle uh, Lalata. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing I did not like is his Hail Mary seemed to go higher than it did farther at the end. <laughs> yeah. of, it seemed like it went like 30 <laughs> yards in the air. <laughs> like, oh, uh, yeah. Apparently his arm strength is questionable for a third string quarterback. Well, you know what? At one point, I really wanted to talk about the fact that I thought that that dude was better than anticipated and whether it could possibly be like a real battle for the number two spot because at times today he looked really good I think near the end of the game maybe that fourth quarter maybe the entire fourth quarter just couldn't find any accuracy he was overthrowing dudes like crazy he's a really athletic big dude who who maybe can play with he's not going to be Baker but like could he be like a really good backup quarterback at some day maybe but uh, the accuracy which I think kind of goes to what you're saying Chucky definitely needs some work I think overall the offense was pretty poor today. They had a really great first drive with when they scored the touchdown, and they didn't really do much until later in the game. The Keenum was fine. The pick was terrible. But overall, I just didn't think the offense was as smooth as I would, you'd hope to see. But again, with all the young guys and the backups they're playing, maybe that's what you're going to see. I also really didn't like the fact that Cody Parkey missed both uprights on his PAT in the first half, kicked it right down the middle, which is off brand for him. But hey, win is a win. The Browns get their second preseason win against the Giants. So let's play an old game that we haven't done in a while. Fellas, tell me if I am on to something or I'm on something. I really like what Stefanski is doing, playing all these young guys and the backups for a long time and getting them a lot of reps in these games without using any starters. Am I on to something or on something? I think you may be on to something there. Um, it's just weird because last year there was no preseason. So there was, all right, no doubt we weren't going to see any of these guys play till the season kicked off. And the year before that was, I, I guess, what might go down as the last traditional preseason where, you know, you played four preseason yeah. games and the third game was a dress rehearsal and these kind of things. Across the league, this is happening more and more. Some teams are throwing their starters out there for a little bit and probably just holding their breath that they get through the couple series that they're going to play because if the Chiefs lose uh, a Mahomes in a preseason game, everyone yeah. gets fired, right? I mean, that's just that's just <laughs> what's going to happen. So I think you're on to something. It, it, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. You never know what kind of reps the ones are getting during the week and if it's really game-like um, and game speed, and you would think it would be, especially when they invite these other teams in. So, you know, maybe the, playing in these games where – you lose a little bit of that control. You keep these guys kind of in bubble wrap so that you know you're starting the season as healthy as possible. It's probably the wave of the future. So hear me out, Chuck. Okay. My thought is you get so little value from playing starters for two series in the first preseason game, half the first quarter in the second preseason game, 
the first half in the third preseason game and not at all in, in the fourth preseason game compared to the value you get from letting the guys the Browns have had play play significant time, get into a rhythm, see them multiple times on the field. You know, you've got Keenum playing the whole first half at quarterback and then Lalata playing the whole second half. You've got some of these guys, LeCount of Monte Cristo. (laughs) (laughs) That guy played the whole game. That guy played the whole game and and really maybe battling for a spot. So that's, that's my thought is you get to see these guys in a much better rhythm. We don't need to know what our starters are going to do. We know what those guys are going to do. That's my thought. On to something or on something. You're, you're on to something. I think by Phil saying, nice. you know, we all know last year there was no preseason and the offense turned out all right. I know it took a few games to get there, but I think that stuff is a little bit overrated uh, in this day and age. You know, like you're looking at some position battles, you're looking at it cutting down to 50 some players. So you need to see what you have at that second, third and fourth level of talent. So I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't understand why, like we already talked about this. I don't think Baker Mayfield needs to put pads on until game one. You know, like when it comes to, he doesn't need to do it. They just don't. It's not like there's any question for 90% of this team, at least as starters and even as backup. So you're on to something, dude. All right. So next one, we have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, the best running back duo in football. The Browns are still not a run first team. Am I on to something or on something? I think you're on something only because they're they're a run first team or um, maybe not a run first team that might not be right when those two are performing at the level they they are run first you won't you might only need to run the ball half as many times as you thought because they're chewing up so many yards when they are getting the ball that makes sense i think nick chubb averaged uh what was it like eight or nine yards a carry in the fourth quarter last year so i don't think they're i I don't think they are i think they're a pretty well balanced team i should put it that way so don't Uh, so don't say it run first is it I don't think they're run heavy, even with those two guys. I still think you're on to something. No, you're on something. Sorry, you're on something. Thank you. Yes. All right. Okay. Yeah, you're on something. So you changed your stance and it's just a run heavy team, not a run first team? Well, I don't want to get caught up in the verbiage. I think that whether it's run first, run heavy, I think that's the assumption because those two dudes are so good. I don't think that's the system the Browns are playing. That's all. That yeah, I hear you. I, so I don't know. You you might be on a little something like you know, something, <laughs> kinda, something <laughs> a little recreational. Yeah, a little recreational. <laughs> nothing nothing too serious. You, you know, probably. Let me tell you about last probably night. something something that's legal legal in a bunch of states. <laughs> you, you know, like yeah, yeah, you're on that. In Doesn't this, have any effect on me. Yeah, well, yeah, we're all well aware. <laughs> Um, the, uh, in today's day, uh, NFL, I don't know. Is there a run first team? I I don't think that exists anymore. I mean, there, it's such a pass happy league. And then there's the teams that have legit running games and the Browns definitely have one of the most legit running games for sure. It's, it's an interesting question because I think in, in the midst of any given game, if the Browns had to run the ball 40 times, they could, but you know, the way the game goes Obviously, they've got the weapons to throw the ball all day long, too. So it's a it's a nice problem to have. But I don't know. I don't think they're uh, they're not a run first. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good question. You tied us both up. That's a really good question. Like, like, man, like I, I can't say that anyone's a run first team anymore. Watching the game today, especially in the first half, they just spread the ball around in so many different ways. They're throwing to running backs. They're throwing to fullbacks. They're throwing to tight ends. They're throwing to wide receivers and they're doing it in a bunch of different ways. When it's working, it's really fun to watch, man. That's a very, very like dynamic offense. I just don't think 
it's as traditionally heavy as we want to think it's going to be because maybe the two of the top three or four offensive players on our team are running backs. And we think, you know, we're from Cleveland. We want to pound the ball. We want to control the clock that way. I don't think that's how Stefanski does it. It doesn't mean that he's not going to get great production out of those guys. But I don't. I just don't buy that it's a run first or run heavy or run focused team. They're going to spread the ball everywhere and do a million different things, which should be a lot of fun to watch. But enough happy talk about the Browns because we are looking at some of our first big injuries of the preseason in camp. Earlier in the week, Jacob Phillips, a linebacker, tore his bicep. He's essentially out for the entire year. Maybe he is not a top guy or a starter, but he was certainly going to be a contributor. And then Greedy Williams goes down with a groin injury today. No idea how serious that is, but it's another setback for a guy who just can't seem to to get back on the field and contribute. So, Phil, what do you think these injuries mean to the Browns' undefeated season? <laughs> It's taken a slight hit, but only slightly. Injuries are going to happen. It, you know, that's just part of the game. I feel bad for a guy like Greedy Williams because he's finally getting back yeah. out there after his yeah. shoulder disaster last year. And now it's a different body part, you know, another soft tissue injury. So hopefully it's not too significant. It probably gives Newsom the second, the leg up, so to speak, on starting. To answer your question, Greedy and a guy like Phillips, those are guys that maybe they weren't going to get the starting nod in the beginning of the season, but they were rotation guys for sure. They're coming yeah. off the bench. They're getting a ton of plays in any game. So you're starting to lose your second line, so to speak, in in positions that you need a lot of depth. So we'll see. I mean, hopefully that's not a trend that continues in these next uh, in next week's preseason game and then in practice over the next few weeks so we can start the season relatively healthy. I think if it keeps going this way, Sandejo might get a phone call pretty oh, soon, right? Oh, man. <laughs> Welcome back. Um, oh, I almost God. wore my Sandejo t-shirt for the game today. I don't, I don't know if I can add much that, that Phil already said. Those guys are going to get a lot of playing time, and does it break the back of the defense? Probably not, but uh, it, it would have been nice, and it just shows you how deep they need to be, Yep. Uh, whether it's in the secondary or at, at linebacker position. I agree. I, you know, it's not the end of the world. You hate to see guys who you thought were going to contribute go down because then you know you're counting on somebody who you you may not know that well or you may not relied upon in the past to do an important job at, at important points during the season. But enough Browns for the night. Um, we'll cap that one off and look forward to next week's preseason game, I think, against the Falcons. But let's move ahead and talk a little tribe, go to our week cap. They started off the week kind of rough, losing two or three to the Twins but had a really good weekend going uh, on Friday night. They won nine to one against the angels, followed it up with a five, one win on Saturday afternoon. They are currently playing in Williamsport, Pennsylvania in the little league classic. And they're up three, nothing in the top of the six Quantrill's pitching really well tonight. They started today, 10 and a half games behind the white Sox in the division and eight and a half games out of the wild card scale of one to five, one being oh hell. Yeah. Five being, oh, hell no, <laughs> is the tribe making a run before the end of the season? Ah, uh, hell no. Um, <laughs> so uh, uh, that's a five, right? Is that it is. Scale? Yeah. Oh, it hell is. no. Uh, they are exactly, uh, if you go back, and I'm sure Phil is going back and listening for song, but this is where we said they thought they would end up at this point. You know, 10 back. And still, uh, I know I said I think they've overachieved a little, and that's the wrong word to use. But the fact that the team lost that many starters and and they're the youngest team in baseball, and now you're starting to see young pitchers kind of come along. That's nice, but it's basically from here on out. Hey, I'll I'll catch a few innings here and there. They're not going to make a playoff run. Phil, all hell yeah, or all hell no. 
That's a five. That's an all hell no. I think the rest of the season, as Chuck was was saying, it's about getting these young guys reps. And, you know, you get guys like Tristan McKenzie and, and Quantrill and maybe even Morgan throwing some good innings. It looks like perhaps next year we're back to having a, a pretty stout starting rotation. And then hopefully some of these young guys can figure out how to hit, too. That would be good going into next season. I agree with you guys 100%. This season definitely, I think, has in the last week or two or, or maybe three weeks has switched from fingers crossed we might get to the playoffs to here's a great opportunity to see some young guys play. So we're going to switch up our week cap a little bit. We're not going to do who had a good week or who had a bad week. We're going to do kids got a stick or kids got a hose. Young guys that did something during the week that gets you excited for next season. I couldn't think of anything for fielding. So we're just going to do hitting and pitching. Phil, what young guy during the week had a good stick? This is, should be the, the Tom Burke segment of, of the of the tribe weekend. <laughs> love, if love Tom would ever stick. come back on. Ah, <laughs> he's afraid of Chuck. That's right. Chuck. Um, he, does, he does love a good stick. Um, so I, I'm going to go young guy. Young guy that showed a good stick this week. Does um, last beard standing Rosario count as a young guy? Because yes. uh, he's he, got a good beard, but he's like new and young. So yeah, he yeah, counts. yeah, yeah. Coming into tonight, he was almost hitting 500 and he went two for two to start tonight's game with a home yeah. run. So he's, yep. he's definitely batting around 500 this week. The guy is just raking and, and he's not the shortstop you want to lean on for the future, I don't think, but you got to keep his stick in the lineup. Chucky, how about you? Which kid old, got a stick this week? How old is uh, Miles Straw? How old is he? Is he? They're all, I think they're all under 25. So they're yeah, all kids. Yeah, the kids got a decent stick this week. I mean, hitting at the yeah. top of the lineup, almost 350 for the week. Yep. Uh, solidifies the center field position, uh, any outfield position better than anybody else has. So I'm going to say kids got the stick. Uh, you guys took both of mine. Well hey. done. And I think it, at some point, not for tonight, but when we finally sit down to wrap up this entire season for the tribe, I think it's going to be a really interesting discussion about whether a Rosario is the shortstop of the future for this team, because if he continues to hit the way he is and improve at the plate, the way he has this season, I don't know how he is not the de facto shortstop to start 2022. I don't see how it happens, but Chucky, which kid had a hose this week? Uh, it's Tristan McKenzie for sure. If we're going Sunday to Sunday, because uh, I don't know if it was addressed last week on pod, if it was an early game or not, but two unbelievably quality starts. Um, 19... well, if you had listened to last week, I did. Five, I did. Listen, we talked I don't remember about. that part. I did listen to it. <laughs> I think he had 19 K's in two games. Dude stuck out Otani, the best player in baseball this year, yep. three times. Uh, and the best part about it was seeing him walk off the field. And I thought, hey, man, Cleveland is turning into like St. Louis. Are these smart baseball fans who are standing yeah. up and giving him an ovation? Yeah. The kid's been through a lot and he deserved that. So that was like turning into a real major league pitcher before eyes. It's been pretty cool to watch. Oh, man, he, I think it was. Um... 16 straight innings without giving up a run yeah or something like that and mm. he walked a guy in his game i think his start was saturday right yes walked a guy and then somebody else gave let him in you know but it was still on him but yeah mckenzie's been been lights out phil how about you well to continue our mckenzie talk uh he he is definitely the number one slot for who had a hose this this week he gave up two hits in yesterday's game uh that's yeah. it 
He followed up a nearly perfect game with giving yeah. up two hits. And you wouldn't have blamed that kid because he is a kid if he had a complete letdown in his next start, right? right. Just from mental and physical exhaustion alone, you know, and he came out there and really just performed almost as well as the game where he took the perfect game into the eighth inning. So I know that's cheating because I took the same guy. The only other young guy that I would say qualified for he had a hose this week doesn't actually have a hose, and that's Eli Morgan. <laughs> he, had a, he, had a, he, had a, he had a good start, but he... It was got like a rag. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. He is a cunny thumber. So uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> I have to bleep that. I'm not even sure. <laughs> it sounds like something you should, yeah, but you yeah. know, <laughs> your call. <laughs> um, the only other guy I would throw into the mix is Class A. Had another really yeah. good week this week, and going back in 30 days, he has not given up a run. You know, we talked a couple weeks ago about how the Indians don't lose trades, and Class A was part of the Kluber trade. Man, and he, you know, we, we've gotten from that deal, we got a really solid guy who I think is going to develop into a pretty dominant closer in the next couple of years. So that kid definitely had a hose this week. Uh, next week, Tribe has three games against the Rangers and then three against the Red Sox. Can the Tribe play spoiler for the Red Sox playoff hopes next week? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Can they? Sure. Um, will they? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I think can this Cleveland Indians team take two out of three? Yes, they can. Uh, I don't think they will, though. Isn't Boston kind of shit the bed since the All-Star break? Then haven't they not been playing that? They great? haven't been playing well. Right. I think it, it looks worse because the Yankees have just been lights just been out since the break. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so sure, they can play spoiler, <laughs> but will they? <laughs> I'm just going to. Echo exactly what Phil said. Jeez. <laughs> this is just like having <laughs> Phil on the show. <laughs> I think they're going to struggle. I, I, I'm hoping for another 500 week from them overall next week because the Red Sox have got to start turning it around if they want to stay in the hunt. And the Indians are probably a pretty good team for them to turn it around against. So, but with that, we'll close out another tribe week cap. We'll end this segment of the show. We'll take our first break and we'll come back and head out on the road unprofessional and unprepared is brought to you by this proud sponsor baby bladder syndrome or bbs affects one in eight adult males in their mid-40s and can impact regular daily life functions like helping kids with homework watching any television show longer than 28 minutes and walking more than a mile without a bathroom break bbs is especially difficult for podcasters a BBS-afflicted podcaster lives in fear of the too-long segment or an overly talkative guest. That's why we here at Unprofessional and Unprepared developed the first-ever personal catheter urination system specifically designed for podcasters. The podcast is discreet and easy to use and reuse during any podcast. When your BBS acts up during a show, don't panic, run for the bathroom, or just let it fly. Instead, Slip on the podcast and let your hot takes flow while you flow into one of three handy disposable pouches. The podcast can be customized for all sizes, even the one you think you are, and can be matched to your skin tone. The podcast's patented urine pouches are discreetly disguised as a briefcase, backpack, or large fanny pack, so you can carry with confidence even after you fill them up. Don't let BBS interrupt you. Pod freely for as long as you want with the podcast. Welcome back, fellas, to segment two. We'll head out on the road, and we will start in the NFL, and it's prediction time because you guys know 
that sharing my amazing ability at picking winners is why we started this show in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) As we get ready for the NFL season coming up in a couple of weeks, let's make our predictions for the division winners and the wildcard teams in the NFC. So we'll start in the Eastern division, which is the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Giants, and the Washington football team. And you may not remember this, but it was the Washington football team that won that division last year, if you can call it that. Who's winning the division in the NFC East? Didn't they win the division with a below 500 record? They might have been 8-8. Eight and eight. Okay. It was it's something clear, like that. Right. It, 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 was, was it was not bad. It was not an impressive <laughs> right. accomplishment. Maybe the Cowboys, if uh, Dak is healthy. And what's their the former coach's name from the Packers? Who's the coach now there? McCarthy? Big fat McCarthy. McCarthy. Thank you. <laughs> Whoa, oh, he's, man. I mean, he's he's got weight issues, Chuck, but we don't want to body shame the man. Oh, he's, clear, he's clearly Apologies. not doing push-ups. <laughs> no, no, he's not. Uh, I would say if the Cowboys stay healthy, but uh, maybe the Eagles give him run for the money since they kind of reloaded. They had a good draft, a uh, good offseason. Injuries aside, I think it's the Cowboys division uh, to lose. If if Prescott's out there, he was having a hell of a season last year until he got hurt. And if, if Elliott's healthy and running the ball like crazy, I don't know. That division was so bad last year. <laughs> There's 17 games this year. So someone go ahead and win like nine games uh, and they might take it. I guess it could go one of two ways. Either the Cowboys run away with it and they're, you know, 14 and three this year or something because they get to play most of their games against, I think, teams that are pretty weak with the rest of the division. Or the Cowboys aren't healthy. Zeke isn't the back he was two years ago. You know, Dak has problems coming back. And all of a sudden, it just gets thrown into this same kind of shit show of, you know, four teams right at eight and nine or nine and eight or something like that. But I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm going with the Cowboys. They seem like the safe pick right now. How about the NFC West? Cardinals, Rams, 49ers, and Seahawks. Seahawks won in 2020. Ah, that is a tough division, man. That is a the NFC West might be like our division, right? I mean, that that's at least three out of those four teams are legit, are legit contenders. Yeah. Wow. I think I'll go with the ah, now, you know what? I'm gonna go with the Rams. I'm gonna go with the Rams. I was about to say the Seahawks. The Seahawks have the they obviously they have the best quarterback in the in the division, but every team in that division has a good quarterback, except what well, what not that except, but they're they all have good except quarterbacks. for the Rams. Because <laughs> the Rams are going to try Stafford. out Matt yeah. Stafford, right? So, so it's all it's all going to come down to how does the elder statesman perform yeah. on a team that has talent all around him? So I I, I think uh, Stafford's going to light it up this year. I don't know why, and and, and they're going to win that division. I like Kyler Murray though, man. Like I it, with the Cardinals, like he is a he's such a dynamic player, and that that's an interesting team too because they've got some stud talent on the offensive side of the ball for sure. I think uh, Cliff Kingsbury is a offensive coordinator who has a head coaching job. I think the Cardinals take a step back and they weren't all that great last year. I think we always kind of count out the Seahawks. They're always good, but they have issues on their offensive line. But Phil is dead right here. The Rams are going to win that division and Matt Stafford is going to be an absolute stud this year. Uh, He's a real athlete and a really great quarterback where Jared Goff couldn't throw the ball over 20 yards in the air. Stafford can. They are going to stretch that field. (laughs) And Sean McVay is disrespectful to Goff. He can throw more than 20 yards in the air. Oh, I can man. throw a ball more than 20 like, yards in the air. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They have, they have an excellent coaching staff. The only issue with that team is that Cam Akers was turning into a really great running back last year, and he is out for the season.
season, uh, but I think they have two pretty decent ones. I think the Rams kind of run away with that division. I think the Seahawks have a down year. I think you're missing on the Rams that that defense lost a lot of guys last year and they lost the, two the really Browns. good guys to the Browns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I Did they about lose the Aaron Donaldson though? No, no Aaron it was Aaron Donald. 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 Aaron Donald Donaldson never wait, played yeah, for was them, he, well, Wait, no, Josh Donald. Who's the Indian player that had the last name Donaldson? It was Josh. Thank yeah. you. But, but yeah, Aaron, he's probably not related. Yeah. Donald, sorry, yeah. sorry. I've uh, made the same mistake. Chuck. And it's who's okay. their like, safety? <laughs> those, those guys are studs. Um, I, I, I don't think that Rams defense is, is, going, is going to be as good as it was last year. And that kept that team good, even you know with what should be a high-powered offense. I'm going with the Niners. Oh, I think they no. figure out their quarterback issue. I think they have the best head coach in the division. So I'm going with the Niners, although I think this is probably is the Bill hardest division to what's that? Bill Walsh. I said is Bill Walsh back? <laughs> yes. Yeah, he is. <laughs> wow. The genius. I'd like to change my pick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I think this is the hardest division of the of the four to pick because these are all really good teams. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's going to be the 49ers. NFC South, Saints, Buccaneers, Panthers, Falcons. Saints won it last year. Chucky, who wins it this year? Tampa Bay, for sure. Phil? Tampa Bay, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so that was good. We yeah. caught up. See, we ran long last division. We're going to this <laughs> Tampa Bay, for sure. Agree with you guys 100%. I don't think there's a smarter bet than them winning that division. The Saints are down. The Panthers don't have a quarterback. The Falcons probably rebuilding time for that team. So I think the Buccaneers are definitely the best choice. Last one is the NFC North, which we've already talked about in a previous show because that's a division the Browns are going to play. Pretty sure we are all on the Packers to win that division. They also won it last year. Anybody have a different take on that at this point? No, Miller nope. covered it. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's right. But when we're talking about the NFC North, I would like to bring up what I hope will be a season-long series Coach Campbell, soup for the soul. When asked about cutting longtime Lion Dan Mulbeck on Mulbeck's 40th birthday, Coach Campbell for the Detroit Lions said, I'm an asshole. So that's about <laughs> the best way to put it. And I hate it. There's no way around it, really. And I've read the quote several times, and I'm not sure he's talking about cutting Mulbeck or the fact that he's an asshole. <laughs> but uh, what do you think Campbell's going to have more of this year, wins or personal growth? <laughs> They're both starting at the bottom. How do you, yeah, how do you quantify <laughs> personal growth, though? What's the scale? One to what? Oh, hell no. I, yeah. <laughs> I, think, that, I think that scale still works. Yeah. <laughs> Saint um, I'm going with a Saint Ives. <laughs> uh, the man is a treasure, and I hope he holds on to that job as long as possible so he can keep talking to the media about it. But we still have to predict three wildcard teams coming out of the NFC. I'll go first. Yeah, good idea. I've got Seahawks, Rams, and I'm going with the Bears as the third wild card team because I think Andy Dalton's going to lead them. Right. To <laughs> no, I think oh. I think Andy Dalton's going to start about two games, and then I think Justin Fields is going to take over. And I think there's enough around him on that team that that guy can take them to the playoffs in his rookie year. So those are my three: Seahawks, Rams, and Bears. I'm going to go with Seahawks. I had the Rams winning that division. So I'll go with Seahawks, Cardinals, and Vikings. Assuming the Vikings can get their shit together 
and vaccinate at least yeah. 50% of the team so they can get out there and play some football this year. I think I'm going to back Gerber's play here. I think the Niners are a wild card team, even though he had them Ooh. winning the division. I think we yeah, all agree the Seahawks will probably yep. get there. And I guess I'll go in a different way and say maybe because uh, I think the Eagles had a really good draft and offseason. Maybe they are a wild card team. So fly, Eagle, fly. I'm surprised to see that you would pick somebody out of the East. I figured the East is, is Vince, one of those. Is Vince Papali back? What's he happening? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> that dude's like 65. Just such a toss-up. <laughs> There's no way. No. Just Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> He's fine. Even Mark Wahlberg's in his like 50s now, I think. You know, that's He's still should, shouldn't be playing. <laughs> um, I think it's tough. I think just the East just seems like it's going to be so shitty that I don't know if a playoff team is coming out of there. But I like his sticking your neck out of the line. Somebody write these down so we can remember him coming playoff time next year sticking with the nfl every year it seems there are guys who maybe stick around and play one year longer than they should let's go through some big names in the nfl who may be jumping the shark this season you guys tell me whether they should have retired last year or they should keep playing i'm a little bit off on the first one because he's at not actually on a team right now but he's also not actually retired frank gore is 38 years old Last year, he had 187 carries for 653 yards. That's three and a half yards per carry for Frank Gore. So should Frank Gore be playing this year or should he be retired? He should be playing this year. He's like, I, I would have thought he should have retired 10 years ago, but he's still somewhat productive. And was he on the fucking Jets last year? Yeah, he was on the Jets. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. So, if yeah, three and a half yards there. with the Jets might be five yards with a decent team. <laughs> so, he should sign somewhere. Isn't Frank Gore our age? Um, yes. I mean, <laughs> no, he's right. only 38. What? He's only 38. Uh, <laughs> We're jealous the... of dudes who are 38, man. <laughs> he, yeah, that's true. That is true. Uh, he is what the second all time leading rusher now in NFL history or something like that. Yeah. Something ridiculous. I feel like once he got to that next level and it was against the Browns, I believe last year uh, where he should have just walked off into the tunnel and retired yeah. right there yeah. then and there. So I feel like he should be retired. <laughs> Okay, next one, J.J. Watt. He's only 32 years old. He was pro football focus, ninth best grade among edge rushers in 2020, but he's really injury prone. Has J.J. Watt jumped the shark? No, he should be playing. He's got a couple years in him to prove that he's healthy and he's back and he's, he's able to, you know, not dominate like he did five, six years ago, but but be a, a really productive defensive lineman for sure. I don't know if he's going to be really productive. He should still be playing, but I think his, his endorsements outweigh his, <laughs> his, his actual, you know, skill set on the field at this point. I don't think he's going to be terrible. I don't think he's gonna be a huge liability, but he's not going to be the face of NFL's defense anymore. Like he was for three or four years. I think he's a guy and you see this every once in a while with pro athletes, the injuries catch up and the game just like drops off a cliff. That That's where I think J.J. Watt is headed. And I, I think he could be borderline liability within a season or two, but we'll give him this year because he actually still did have a reasonably productive season last season. How about Julio Jones? 32 years old. He played nine games last year and had 771 yards receiving. But from my view, that dude hasn't been the dominant receiver that we were used to seeing him be for at least like three seasons. Julio Jones jumped the shark. 
I don't think so, but he's not a, he's not a number one, you know, as a two or a three, he's fine. He can probably help a young team. I would assume, right? Is he signed somewhere? Where is he playing this year? Tennessee with uh, Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. Great. He so is, he is their number have, two. That should serve a, a perfect role for him there. Cause they lost their other number two, right? The other big dude. Yep. So that's a great place for him to land. I think he has uh, how many yards did he have? That's, that's a serviceable seven seventy. Yeah. In, in only nine that's, games, right. in only that's nine, like games. nine games. Yeah. That's like, that's like 1300 yeah. right. yards in a full season. Shit, he should be a number one then somewhere. Fucking yeah. hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did not jump the shark no, is where Chuck lands no. on that one. Apparently yeah, sorry. No. Phil, I got there. I agree with Chuck. I, I think he should definitely still be playing. Uh, he was not healthy last year. He played just over half the season and still put up nearly 800 yards. So he's going to go to a Tennessee team that is a playoff team that now with him as their number two, they have they have a really scary offense with Henry in the backfield and some wide receivers that are just mismatches because of their size. So if he can stay healthy, absolutely. He's going to He's going to have a, a good year as a number two. I mean, as a number two, you're not, you may not get a thousand yards receiving, but if he stays healthy, he's going to he's going to pay dividends later in the season for them. Last one, 43 years old. What? Tom Brady. Oh, this has <laughs> got to end at some point, right? <laughs> it just has to. OK, he won the Super Bowl last year. He's on a ridiculously talented team. I think it's a well-coached team. You know, he doesn't eat sugar. He, <laughs> you know, he is aging backwards. You know, it's got to end at some point. Is Chucky, is this the year Tom Brady comes crashing back down to earth and feels like you and I do every day of our lives at no. 44 years old? No, no, because he probably spends over a million dollars on his body every year. Right, Phil? Oh, how much do you spend? Oh, my God. <laughs> At least sixty-seven, less eight, than, 69, less than 60, Yeah, less than, I'm buying. No. I'm buying. I'm buying a twelve-dollar four packs. I'm drinking malt liquor on Sundays. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. No, man. I think he has another great year, and and I think we have the same discussion next year. Like, is this the year? Because Sports Center has done this for like the last five years. Is this yeah. the year he falls off? Is it over? And and I don't think it's over. I don't think we realize just how great he is um, because we saw it in real time. We can appreciate it. But I think like 10 years from now, 15 years from now, there's no discussion. It's him and then everybody else like who was yeah. the greatest quarterback of all time. It, it's almost stupid at this point. I mean, he is he's at like Jordan's level yeah. of not just the best in his sport, but maybe the, the greatest in sport, period, because he's he's got like seven Super Bowl rings. That's ridiculous, right? That's crazy. Phil? You're a doctor. What do you think? I am. Tom Brady, keep um, it going. I do. I, I do think he can. I appreciate what you're saying because I we see it all the time in every sport where just one season, someone at the end of the rope, they, they have a great season one year and then it just falls off a cliff the next year because father time catches up. I think Tom Brady, it's it's all about keeping him clean. If, if it's the Buccaneers, if he wants to play another five years for whatever team he wants to play for, if it's a team that has Come a on. if if it's a team that has an <laughs> offensive line, he can't play at 48. He says can't. you says you <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you tb12 is not on the jg21 he is uh he's rolling into this year with i i think they return 21 of 22 starters that's yeah. absurd yes. yeah so, so again protect that guy and if he doesn't go down he is, he can easily play another couple of years and this will, will not be his last. All, all jokes aside, I don't think he's done this year. Of course, he's got to stay healthy. He's not a guy that can take hits and bounce back. And he should be, you'd think, more prone to injury being that he's our age and he's playing professional football. But he was really good last year. And 
if they keep him clean, I don't see any reason why he's not really good again this year. And I think Chuck is exactly right. We're going to keep having this conversation every year until it actually happens. None of us are going to be able to predict when it happens. Um, this just dawned on me, though, because you just mentioned that he is our age. So maybe he's at a greater risk of injury outside of the game of football. Right. You know, like like he's going Sleeping out to get the wrong. mail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, and he just slept in a bad position the night before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like any of these things could derail the his career at this moment. The thing about being old <laughs> right. ever. Yeah. Yeah. I can hurt right. myself while I'm sleeping. That's ridiculous. Uh, on that note, and the fact that James Karinchek is trying to give away the tribe's lead in the eighth. We're going to close out this segment, fellas. We'll take our final break and we'll head off the field. Unprofessional and Unprepared is brought to you by the JG21 Diet and Lifestyle System. Tom Brady's unprecedented run to his seventh title once again highlighted his abilities, poise, and the unique TB12 diet that continues to keep him looking and playing like he is in his mid-20s. But not everyone is Tom Brady, and not everyone is looking for a no-sugar, no-fun diet. That's why I invented the JG21 Diet and Lifestyle System designed specifically for mediocrity. Feel like drinking that beer? Go ahead. In fact, have a few more if you want. Just make sure tomorrow you do some sit-ups or walk your dog or something. Pizza looking delicious? Go ahead and have a couple extra slices. But work in a salad here or there and try to go for a run this week. Want to spend the whole day working out? or watching games and eating wings. I say, who's playing? And can we get some delivery? Just, you know, don't spend every day on the couch in your favorite sweats. Limit that to just a couple days a week. Bottom line, not all guys are looking to reverse age like Tom Brady. For those guys, the JG21 diet and lifestyle system is the perfect low commitment, low results plan. JG21, when you don't need to be Tom Brady, but you don't want to be garbage. Welcome back, fellows, to our final segment. We'll head off the field and let's talk movies. A couple weeks ago, Scarlett Johansson sued Disney. Disney released Black Widow on a streaming service the day after the movie was released in theaters. Johansson's contract calls for her to receive additional compensation based in part on ticket sales at theaters. So she's upset that it's being released on streaming because it's taking away potential viewers. Disney came out with a great statement that basically implied Johansson was being very callous because she wanted people to go to the theater during COVID just so she could make more money, uh, which was a very un-Disney-like thing to do. Now, according to her complaint, the contract says, for the avoidance of doubt, if producer in its sole discretion determines to release the picture, then such release shall be a wide theatrical release of the picture, no less than 1,500 screens. So Johansson's argument is like, hey, this provision of the contract means if you're going to release it, it has to be a theatrical release in theaters. And my guess is that Disney's going to come back and say, listen, it means that we have to release it in theaters, which we did, but it doesn't limit us from releasing it uh, on the streaming service as well if we want to. Who wins, Scarlett or Mickey? That's a tough one, right? Because Mickey is a powerhouse. Yeah. However, this film was pushed back not once but twice. So twice. Yep. Disney can't wait any longer, man. It's time to launch phase three or four, whatever it is for Marvel. This was the start of it, I guess, outside of the series. So I see both arguments as valid. I am not a lawyer like you are, Gerb. So I know you always bust my balls if I don't go the right way on these. That's but, not true. Um, I've always been. I think I think you won the one time you play you be the judge. I don't know if I won. 
I'll take it. I'll take the W if I did. But I, there might be like, I don't understand why they couldn't rework a contract because to see that on Disney Plus, you have to go through a paywall. It's not just on there. Right. You have to right. you have to buy a premium deal. It's like 30 bucks, which in itself 30 bucks yep. is somewhat of a deal, right? Like if you were going on opening night with your wife, you're spending 30 bucks between tickets and popcorn and all that stuff. So can't they give her some residual on that back end of, of, of those people who chose to hit that paywall as well as go to the theater? I don't know. I think Disney wins because they rarely lose, if ever. I don't know if <laughs> Disney has ever lost other than um, God, what was the name of that terrible movie? The guy from Friday Night Lights the running back it was like 250 million bucks in a bomb john something yeah it's terrible yeah it's the only time no, it was it was riggins riggins yeah riggins was, was in it yeah i don't remember yeah. what it was because it was terrible it was like in a desert it was all dirty the stuff yes, blowing around right i remember phil what do you think johansson or mickey i think mickey wins this one although i have to imagine to chuck's point like the whole idea here was that this movie was supposed to come out pre-covid covid happened when this movie was basically in the can it was ready to go they were in final editing and all this kind of stuff and there it was a may it was set for a may release even though they were done filming before the pandemic was even identified in our country anyway they had to push it back because they were in the height of the pandemic that that first may of, of sure. uh, 20 so they pushed it back once they pushed it back twice they start to look at this like okay it makes sense now that theaters are open to do the simultaneous release or whatever that a lot of these movies are doing especially the disney movies they're doing it with the 30 dollar premium on their streaming unlike wb which just releases them to hbo which is great yeah <laughs> um rather than this being a big court case like why couldn't this just be like hey you know what let's revisit your contract and let you get a taste of the 30 dollar premium subscription as well and i think that's probably her argument here because i i don't think any of these people are losing money uh i think ultimately uh, well Mickey's well no she got paid 20 million for the movie plus she plus gets the ticket part sales of, part, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so, she's, she's made plenty and Disney's obviously making plenty too. But I um, think as the marquee draw to that movie, she's looking at like, all right, in, in normal times, my take would have been X, right? Right. Um, you're going to now help people not go to the theater by charging them 30 extra dollars to see this movie. Um, why can't I get a percentage of that too? So I, I, you know, I see her argument for sure, but I think Mickey ends up winning this one. You got to see her point, right? Cause yeah, yeah. if there was no COVID, this was the first film after Endgame, which is the yeah. like unbelievably gross highest grossing friend. All these Marvel movies make an yeah. unbelievable amount of money. People are, are like, shit we're going like there's no COVID. i'm probably going opening weekend to see that movie just because i was so hot on marvel movies so i could see where she's like man i'm really missing out on her lawyers are really like, really missing out yeah. on this cash by this not <laughs> happening but i, mean, I don't know if this her plays... arc is done right like this is yeah, it. that's right i, I was about it's, to say like, i don't know if this plays a role in it or not but this right. is the last marvel movie she will appear in right certainly as any kind of lead role because spoiler alert she died, <laughs> died oh, in man. endgame and this is i said spoiler alert you could delete all this after we just edited it out <laughs> um but but this is kind of like a flashback it's her origin story or whatever so i i suppose they could work her into other movies as a flashback but i think one her contract's up same with like robert yeah. downey jr and all these other guys their contract's up this is her last big movie so it's probably her last chance to cash in on a Right. Just she's got nothing to lose. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like these are yeah. billion dollar movies worldwide. Right. I think you guys both focus on a very important point of the law, which is no matter what the law is, generally speaking, if you've got the deeper pockets, you're probably going to win because you can survive a long legal battle and, and pay ridiculous attorney's fees to get 
to the result you want. Uh, Chuck, I think you're right. I think at some point this is going to settle with some sort of split like that, where she is going to get something from the, the money they made streaming somehow. That, that's what's going to happen. She'll get some money. Probably won't be as much as she would have gotten if they had just kept it in theaters only. But the bigger thing is, is this the way it goes from now on? Even once COVID is fully in the rearview mirror, are movies going to be released simultaneously or in close proximity like this on screens and on streaming? For some movies, yes. Uh, the blockbusters, I think, it, it, assuming everything's back to relatively normal, right? The blockbusters, you're going to suck every kind of theater ticket price you can before it gets released on whatever um, streaming channel it would equate to be a Disney or, or HBO max or whatever. Some of these middling movies, perhaps like I, I watched one, I watched one last night. It was not good. It was not good, but, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was, weren't a, you, aren't you glad you didn't go to the theater to see it? Yes. I guess that's my point, right? Like, so yeah. it's still a, it's still a, a wide release. It was uh, what's his name? Hugh Jackman's new movie reminiscence or whatever, a list star, sci-fi kind of thing. It piqued my interest. I'm not going to go to the theater to see a movie like that. So let's fire up the HBO max and watch yeah. it. So I, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see, cause I would imagine the producer from the, from the movie side of it, the producers of these movies will realize like, okay, we're not, we're not competing in the box office right now. Like we're going to release it to the theaters and hope that, you know, no one's rushing to the theater to see that movie. So it makes sense for us to release it simultaneously because we get it some contract with HBO or Warner brothers or what have you. And I'm sure there's some sort of just agreed upon like, okay, do it. Here's your money. It doesn't matter yeah. how many people view it. You know, first off Colin Yost in Scarlett Johansson's baby's name is Cosmo. I, I can know move past that. Right. Cosmo. I just wanted to get that out there. That's Cosmo. fantastic. Right. Um, <laughs> however, here's, here's what I think. I think uh, between maybe our generation and then maybe to like 20 something, Going to movies was an event for us, and it's still an event for us. There's still movies I have to see on a big screen. However, I don't know if Phil, your your boys, or my boy will have that same feeling. Uh, they watch mostly everything on YouTube, right? At least my sister's kids do. They don't watch anything in real time. I don't think the, the experience of going to a theater and eating popcorn or IMAX or whatever it is, is going to mean as much to another generation as it does to us. Plus, uh, people like Amazon Prime, who are throwing $250 million just to have knives out to come out there yeah. uh, i think you're starting to see like uh we can do it on these streaming platforms covid's a great test run that that hbo it worked out really great for us right like i'm not paying to go see suicide squad probably ever but i'm gonna watch right. it on the weekend uh, yeah, it comes right. out. Absolutely. right and absolutely. i think that's yeah. what studios are trying to start banking and on, i'm gonna on and i'm gonna buy hbo max so right. that i have the opportunity to see right. those things you know i'm gonna right. subscribe to it and pay every single month Right. Um, to have. Yeah, yeah. I, I think like you, you saw, you see industry change, newspaper industry change, everything moves digital, record industry change, everything moves now to streaming. Movies are going to be affected. You start, obviously, yeah. you're seeing TV is that the best TV shows come not from networks anymore. They're usually streaming stuff, whether it was HBO or, or paywall stuff. So I think movies are just the, the final step. Like, why wouldn't something debut in my house on a Friday night? Why wouldn't it? It probably is a sad end to or a slow end maybe to 
movie theaters as yeah. we grew up with them and how much fun that was. But I think you're right. I think in the end, people are more and more likely to want to be at home and experience these things. And TVs have gotten so much better than they were 30 years ago or 20 years ago that uh, it almost looks and sounds as good at home as it does on the big screen. I think you're probably right. I think this is here to stay. This is not something that's going to go away just because it becomes safer and easier to go to theaters, you know, in, in the future. But moving away from Scarlet versus Mickey, they're remaking a classic, gentlemen. It was reported this week that the Peacock Network will be releasing a new TV series that is a remake of Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams, the movie Statline. It was released, I don't know, about 10 years ago in 1989. <laughs> uh, it received three Oscar nominations, Best Picture, Best Original Score, Best Adapted Screenplay, and grossed $84 million. In 2017, it was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. Most of Field of Dreams was filmed on Don Lansing's farm in Dyersville, Iowa. Lansing kept the field as a tourist attraction until 2011 when it was sold to Go the Distance LLC, which I thought was pretty cool. So scale of one to 10, one being Cobra Kai, the series remake <laughs> of The Karate Kid on Netflix, and 10 being the 2001 TV series RoboCop where the storyline was that it was taking oh, no. place 13 years after the original RoboCop and Delta City, considered to be the safest place on Earth, has become a futuristic city owned and operated by OCP, and RoboCop has Stop. begun to feel his age. So, <laughs> scale of 1 to 10, 1 being Cobra Kai, 10 being 2001 RoboCop, where do you think Field of Dreams as a television series will land, Chuck? <laughs> Jesus, I know Wikipedia exists, but how did you read that much about the new RoboCop? It's I not new, it's 2001, That's what, dude. But, well, the updated RoboCop. Uh, so there are things that have lended themselves to being rebooted uh, and it made sense and, it, and it, it did really well like cobra kai is a phenomenal show uh i know saved by the bell is coming back punky brewster came back fuller house came back i think that stuff that meant a lot to us or we watched i don't know if saved by the bell meant a lot to us but stuff we were really into i don't know how you make field of dreams a series but i guarantee you my ass will be sitting in front of it watching it to find out <laughs> how it became a series so uh i would give it probably like a three just because i love the movie so much and i have a lot of interest in it uh, and hopefully they don't tarnish any feeling i have for that movie oh boy <laughs> I, think, I know it was a lot to I, take in yeah i i'm gonna i'm gonna rate it i'm gonna rate it like a three or four as well i, I think it's it clearly it doesn't approach the 2001 robocops getting old and sick of this shit uh <laughs> tv series <laughs> but but uh, you know i i don't know if it's quite as good as the cobra kai and either leaning that way though and, and potentially right because it is it's baseball. So you could see how they could take baseball and that storyline and make it a series. You know, I mean, it could be, it could be three episodes in and all he, all he's doing is trimming corn. <laughs> he's just cutting no. corn down. I don't know. No. It takes a while to, to, to do that. They're going to show him making the field in yeah. real time. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Terrible. It has potential, right? It has like a Friday night lights potential, I guess. Right. It's, it's like, it's that kind of, you're going to get the baseball fan to watch it. And maybe you get people because it becomes more of a drama to tune in as well and get into the storyline 
let, let's face it. What did you say that the movie came out in 1989? There's a lot of grown ass adults that weren't born yet in 1989. Yeah, that's true. You know, um, that are going to see this and maybe go back and watch the movie. And then, okay, they've got this foundation again. I don't know. You guys are a lot more positive about it than I am. This is one of those things to me that when I first read it was like, oh man, come on, you can't do this to a movie that 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 is that classic. I think it would actually be hard to take the original story and make it into a series. It almost feels like it should start where the movie ended and the series goes forward from there. Um, might be a way to do it, but I guess I'm I am now higher on it than I was just hearing you guys talk about it and your take on it. So all right, I'll I'll put it closer to the Cobra Kai level, which I think is a fantastic show. It's, it's um, baseball, Ray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> what do you think of the Peacock's decision to cast the rock as Ray Kinsella? Well, that's not real. <laughs> <laughs> like, like right? the, the rock, the rock that's not real. <laughs> the rock as in, as in, as in our, uh, the, uh, the garbage man in that series from the late eighties. Oh, Dwayne, the oh. rock Johnson. It's Ray Kinsella. Dwayne the rock Johnson. John Cena is shoeless Joe Jackson. That's going to be the series. <laughs> <laughs> well, that joke is going nowhere. How about this from the field of dreams movie, other than when he's playing catch with his dad, What's your favorite scene in that movie, Phil? It's got to be it's got to be something with Terrence Mann because uh, James Earl Jones is fantastic <laughs> in that movie. Maybe even when they first knock on his door and he answers it and he he yells at him and you know it gets into the whole peace love dope kind of yeah. kind of response. Yeah. I thought that was great. This might be a little heavy, but watching it uh, not probably from the last couple of years and when Moonlight Graham steps over. Oh yeah. And turns back yeah, in yeah. And, oh, yeah. and, oh, yeah. and Kevin Costner's character has the realization that you can't go back Yeah, because it means something a whole lot different to me now than it did when I was in 1989 and 1990. Right. Uh, it just it like for no reason, it hit me like a ton of fucking bricks and I'm like, Oh God, hold it together. I might start crying for no reason. Here. <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's probably like how powerful that scene became as I got older. I agree with you hundred percent. I'm going to go a little bit lighter than you did Chuck. Oh, all right. When Shoeless Joe takes Ray deep in the very first scene where he's taking batting practice because Ray tries to throw him a curveball and he just takes it out of the yard. I thought that was really funny because he's like, oh, yeah, you're right. You can't hit the curveball. Well, Ray, maybe I'm, I don't know. He's like a 30 year old guy on a baseball field in his cornfield trying to throw a curveball. Like, I bet it had no break at all. Honey, Shoeless Joe just. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was my favorite scene. But uh, hopefully the TV show can at least be 70% of the movie. That would be pretty good. But real fast, fellas, if you were DJing a wedding, is your go-to group dance song the Macarena or the Electric Slide? I hate Damn. you guys. <laughs> <laughs> really? Don't blame Chuck. <laughs> I'm going to say the electric slide is timeless. Woogie, woogie, woogie. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm the, electric the, slide. the electric electric slide is timeless. Macarena. Well, you guys, people still turn up their nose like they did 30 years ago or 20 plus years ago. But when the electric slide comes out of the wedding. Everybody loves it. Everybody. Everybody Absolutely. loves the electric slide. And they'll both right. be on your playlist. <laughs> Excellent. Our, our playlist. Our playlist. Don't yeah. forget it. Yeah, All right, boys, we are out of time. <laughs> I am out of questions for now. And we just did the entire episode without mentioning Tim Tebow being cut by the Jags. Oh. So with that super predictable news behind us, <laughs> I hope you guys have a great week and let's do this again real soon. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> great. Uh. 
so the electric uh, slide, hey, my, my uh, favorite electric slide moment. I don't know if you guys, uh, maybe you guys were at this game. I, I can't believe so. you have a favorite. Electric slide <laughs> I do. Moment. I do. I don't. Well, well, I, I do. definitely do not. It has, it They're all so good. How could I ever? It has nothing to do with a wedding. <laughs> um, this was, I believe it was summer baseball in high school, but I think it was like, I think it was Legion. Cause I think Bonhard was playing right field. So it was Legion early on in our, in our high school career. Right. Yeah. So we're playing summer ball down in Euclid against St. Joe's and there's a neighborhood right behind that field, just right there. So this is like 1993. I don't know. And um, we're out there warming up between innings and some house just over right field. I'm throwing with Bonhard uh, just over right field starts blasting the electric slide and we start <laughs> dancing in the outfield. <laughs> like we're, we're like, we're at a wedding. I'm like, Oh, this is awful. <laughs> oh, uh, this is again, this is the kind of thing that the Savannah bananas do. Like <laughs> yeah. the team goes out there and does like, like choreographed dance routines, like between innings and stuff like that. You and Bonhard were ahead of your time, man. Johansson. Is it Johansson or Johansson? I think it's, I think Joe. it's uh, Joe Hansen. Okay. Joe Hansen's contract. It's Mrs. Yost. <laughs> right, wow. right, right. Yeah. yeah. Is it Jost or Yost? Yost. I think it's Yost and Joe Hansen. That's very confusing. Yost Hansen. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's Yost Hansen. <laughs> what happened there? Good turn. Double play. Double Ooh, play. Baby. Nice. Got it, did baby. Shaw, did Shaw throw one pitch? One pitch. <laughs> he did. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Look at him Done. roll off the field. I just made two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> oh, and he's, well, it'd be hilarious. Like right now, he's got to get checked by the umpire after throwing one pitch. It'd be hilarious if they found a bunch of like Vaseline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was that was huge, man. That huge. just saved the game well, for them. Nicely done. I, I might be wrong unless they switch it up, but they started the game with Jimenez at second, and that's what we were talking about. You know, like here's this stud yep. middle infielder that can't quite hit yet, but maybe he's your second baseman. So your middle infield or middle infield is, is good. You know? Yeah. The shortstop might be the problem. Rosario. Well, so I don't think a great defensive shortstop. So flip those two. I don't know if they could, but flip those two, you, you know, defensively, if Jimenez is that, is that defensive guy, put him at short and put, put Rosario at second. Yeah. You're going to get his, his Rosario's too tall to be a second baseman. <laughs> Ask Ryan Sandberg, <laughs> man. Ryan Sandberg was tall. Was he? Yeah. Taller than nah. <laughs> now, now I got to find out how tall he was. Hold on. <laughs> he, I don't know why. I don't, I don't know why. But uh, when Gerber said second baseman can't be tall, the only person that popped into my mind that was a tall guy that played second was Ryan Sandberg. Yeah. And he, I think he retired in like 1987. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking of Tursic. Tursic's not tall. Not tall. Not that no. tall. Ryan Sandberg, I'm telling you, tall second base. How tall is he, Chuck? I'm going to think of another one. I'm coming height, weight. I'm going to think of another tall second baseman. Um, Who the fuck is Ryan Sanders? uh, Apparently my thumbs. Barry's brother. That's right. White brother. (laughs) (laughs) From another mother. Um, Ryan Sandberg. Um, there's got to be another tall second base. Yeah, I'm sure there are. Yeah, I was only kidding. Six two. That's not small. Ooh, yeah, that's no, really that's that's tall. tall. Yeah, that's six really two tall. is pretty big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. six two. It's taller than any of the Browns' recent Wade quarterbacks Boggs was six two. <laughs> <laughs> that is big. Sammy Sosa is only six foot. I had no idea that. So I'm I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Ryan Sandberg might be one of the tallest second basemen yeah. in League baseball history. Yeah. <laughs> like I think of guys like Mark Lemke. 
and uh, and Ecclestein or whatever that dude was for the Eccleston. Angels. Eckstein. 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 Einhorn and Einhorn and Finkelstein. Sounds like a law firm. Eckstein. What was the other one you said? Finkelstein and Eckstein. Finkelstein and Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkelstein. <laughs> There's a there's a great callback. Oh for man, you. that's good, dude. Ace Ventura one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, that hurts. All right. Sorry. Already. All right. Let's do it. Yeah. Deep breath, let's, let's gentlemen. Serious. We can't. Let's wrap this shit up. <clears throat>The uh, the playlist is going to surpass 200 songs. Easily. Wow, easily. He might not even get to them all. Uh, it just uh, I, no, I was thinking about we'll get to, we'll get to them all. Oh, no, man. that's a lot. Nah, you, you think about like getting up on a Saturday morning. We're just gonna play like bottle and stick all day long. Um, we'll just have it going the whole day. I need to start hitting my thumbs with a hammer to get you ready do. for that. Tough them up. <laughs> It's right there, big big box. It's who it dropped that last year? Whose was it? I I have it. That's so you, yeah. you had bottle on stick. Yeah. Right. So it's uh, it's been something I've been doing at like a family reunion for a while now. Do you we, throw the frisbee as hard as you can at your family when you're playing? Oh yeah. Fuck okay, hey, right. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> See, Chuck, quit your whining. There is Mrs. No, Denko can handle there it. There's no half you? stepping in bottle <laughs> on stick. The webbing of my hands will never be the same. <laughs> Like it was fevered for a month so, after that. My thumbs oh, were on. fevered. You're just this being is, a bitch. This is how. <laughs> so you you don't remember Cunny Thumber, Gerbs? No, no oh, I've man. never heard Cunny so, Thumber so, in my life. Cunny Thumber <laughs> was a, a term that um, I believe that was a Clark and Raymer term that was taught to me. You know, I, I, what, what did Talbu call those guys like pus ball throwers or whatever the yeah, hell he, yeah, he had, yeah, he had, he had some yeah, sort of, yeah. you know, nomenclature <laughs> for it. But, uh, the, uh, but yeah, I, I think, uh, I don't know who we were playing, but in high school, it was like every other guy we were playing and they, they'd get me, they'd get me ready to lead off the game and say, all right, this guy's a, this guy's a cunny thumber. He's a cunny thumber. He's just going to throw it's Matt Miller is what a cunny thumber is. That's what uh, that is. Yeah. You're going to throw breaking balls, breaking balls, breaking balls. And your fastball is going to be about five miles an hour faster than your breaking ball. And you're only going to use it to set up the breaking ball, <laughs> you know, um, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to, to hit off of for sure. So that's a cunny thumber. So yeah, right. you, you might want to, you might want to bleep that though. <laughs> Funny. Funny like a clown? You didn't use you?